0: Amen. All right, well, let's come and take our seat. We're going to come around the Word of God. And what a great morning it's been. I just wanted to point your attention to two incredible books that many people have already bought. And I can see some Faith, Hope, Love merch out there, which is very cool. Um, A glove box handbook for men. It's only, I think, five weeks until Father's Day. So if you want to get in early Pick this up for Father's Day. That's a great Father's Day gift. And the Faith, Hope, Love community, um, I think for us, this is a tool. This is something that we can use, that we can gift to people. And um, it's very much on our heart that God is not a trend, that he's not a quick fix. And um, I think in, in this day and age, everything's a trend and everything's based on a quick fix. Um, you scroll through. I'm a little bit obsessed with Pinterest. I love Pinterest. I love crafty things. I love my garden. And everything's a, um, a quick fix. You know, did you know? And, um, and yeah, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so we might package it really pretty. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And we've packaged it really nice. And we've made it really easy to read, big statements, um, that are just going to wash over you and renew your mind. And it's just a great gift for people. But the truth is that God has been around from the beginning of time. And, um, and so we need to know that when we speak the words faith and hope and love into our community, that we don't need to find fancy words for it. We don't need to like make it sound better than it is because the power of God will cut through. You know, the power of the truth will cut through. And right now, people need to hear truth. And they need to hear a message of faith, hope, and love. And they need to hear it from people that they love. And this is the thing that the church here, our beautiful church community, we're here. But really, where this happens, where this sort of thing happens, where we connect with people that aren't connected to God, it happens outside of these walls. And how much better is it to receive the good news of Jesus from a friend, to receive it from someone who genuinely loves the other person and say, that's on us. You know, we've got to really look in our community and look at the people in our world and go, God has placed them in my world and I need to bring the gospel. And, um, you know, church, the truth is that um, maybe... We need to be a bit more direct about it, and maybe we need to seek God to find opportunities to bring hope to our to our friends and family, because the world is doing an awful good job of speaking truth, their version of the truth, and dis, you know, bringing deception and and trying to lead our young people astray. And my spirit has been in absolute war this week, and I know other young, you know, people with young daughters spirits are in war too over some of the stuff that's out there at the moment and the truth is that we need to speak clearly to our children, we need to speak clearly to the people around us and of course that is done with love and without judgment but we need to create a safe space that people feel like they can come to us and ask us for their opinion and we give them God. We don't give them our opinion, our ideas but we give them God. Is that right, church? Amen. Yeah. All right, we're going to open our Bibles this morning. So get ready. Who's got a Bible in the place? I like to have my Bible sitting on my lap, ready to go. It's um, it's on me all the time. And it, it is big. I went for something smaller for a while, and then I went, nah, I'm just going to go back to my big Bible. I like it. And so let's open our word to Matthew 13, verse 4, the parable of the sower. It says... And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprung up. Since they had no depth of soil, however, when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had withered, they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds Fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. We know that Jesus spoke a lot in parables. Is that right? He spoke a lot in stories, and many of these stories have many layers to the stories too. So we can look at these parables from many different angles because Jesus is talking on so many different levels that even today, 2,000 years later, we are still dissecting and pulling apart the word of God. Is that so incredible? Um, These parables are so deep. They are there for us to delve into the word and to understand more and more and more the mysteries that God is revealing And so when we come across to 13, verse 22, he says, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. This is the part I want to focus on today, and I'm going to bring a message called Come Out of the Stuff. Who's ready for that? The thing is, we always speak about the seed that falls on the rocky ground, right? But do we speak about the seed that fell on good soil? The soil was good. The seed was good. The seed that we're, I'm bringing out here today, it's good. And your soil might be good too. But the thing is, we've planted that seed and it's gone into good soil. But the Bible says that there were thorns that sprung up and choked the word of God. And what God wanted to do with that seed was destroyed. And so what we see here is that the word was sown on good ground, but the cares of this life, the busyness and the goings of this life, the crowdedness, the overcrowdedness of this life, Started to choke out the effectiveness of God's word, and the cares of this life begin to, and the love of stuff begins to choke out God's plan for your life. And so many of us have had words of God upon our lives. You know, we've had prophetic words, prophetic plans that have been there. Are prophetic plans within this word for all of us as a body of Christ? And we hear them and we hear them, you know, like just like this parable, yeah, we've read that, read that. But because we're allowing the cares of this world to become too big in our life, it's choking out the effectiveness of what God has planned for your life. You know, the world is competing for your gifts. There are gifts upon your lives and you're sitting here and there are gifts upon your life that God has placed on you since the moment you were placed into your mother's womb. He placed that gift inside of you. And there are talents and there are things upon your life. There are communication skills. There are, you know, admin skills. There are, there are gifts that we have upon our life you know, maybe you're really good at making people laugh and these things are on our life and you you go, that's just part of my personality but they're gifts that God gave you and they're on your life and he placed them inside of your life but the world wants to take these gifts and the world wants to exploit those gifts and the world wants to say to you, give me your gifts and I will make you amazing. Give me your gifts, give me your time, give me your energy Because when we sow into the world, we are better. You know, you get better things. Come, come and have a look. It's so much better over here. You know, and you see the creative world has just been sideswiped. Because the allure of what we can get with our gifts and our talents and come over here, it's so much better. You've got money, you've got fame, you've got all of this. If we just refocus our gifts, the enemy wants our gifts God wants our gifts and this place is becoming overcrowded and what God intended to be something that was a plan of his is now squashed out and has become a tiny, tiny little seed and so the prophetic promise and the revelation of God in your life is now more like this tiny and the cares of the world are overcrowding. And Pastor Phil spoke about the fear of God last week. And, um, and I really believe that from many prophetic voices that we're hearing and from the word of God is that the fear of God is something that God wants to restore back into his church right now. And, um, and, and we're hearing that all over the world. The fear of God needs to be restored back Into the church. C.S. Lewis says that the fear of God is to feel wonder and a certain shrinking. And another translation is the sense of awe and confidence. And if God is restoring the fear of God back into His church, then we need to flip the part that's shrinking. See, the fear of God is to feel wonder and a certain shrinking. But what we seem to see is that the cares of this world and then the fear of God instead of the fear of God and the cares of this world. And we need to flip that because we do not want to become Christians that, you know, the Bible warns us that we have a form of godliness but with no power. We don't want to just come here and, and look and talk the talk, and walk the walk, but we have no power inside of us because the effectiveness of the word is not active in our lives. Let's turn to Mark five twenty-seven, and we're looking here at the woman with the issue of blood. And the woman of the issue of the blood, she could not get near Jesus. Who remembers when we read the Bible about the crowds that covered? They just followed Jesus everywhere he went, crowds, crowds, crowds. And this woman, she needed a miracle in her life. And she came and, there was, and it says in the Bible that it was too, it was so overcrowded. There were so many people that she could not get near Jesus. Yet she was so desperate that she couldn't get up, she couldn't get to the side and so she gets down and we know the story, she crawls and even she just thought with her faith, if I could just touch just a tiny bit of him, I know I'll be saved. And so all she sees is the hem of his garment and she reaches down and she touches the hem of his garment and instantly she is healed. And she knew that it was gonna take some determination. You know, sometimes we can make so many excuses, but God needs us to get a little bit of determination because there are miracles in our world that he wants to see happen. There are things in our world that he wants to see shift, but we don't have the determination to get even just the hem of his garment. Consider this as well. Um, I have four children, as many of you know, and um, one of the hot topics in the house is always what sports we're doing, and um, and you know what, (coughs) my mum had four daughters, and I remember being younger, and I wanted to dance five days a week, and she used to make me carpool with Kay's mum, where's Kay? She was here. She's probably in kids' church. She used to make me carpool with Kay's mum. There you are, Kay. And um, and I used to think she was so unfair because why couldn't she drive me to all these places that I had to go? You know, like one week it was one day it was Tookley, then it was Narara and then it was Tumby. And I used to go to all these different dancing spots. And um and then I had children of my own, and it's it's very humbling, very humbling. And, um, and I thought, oh, what a spoiled brat, you know. And um, and now my kids want to do all sorts of sports and all sorts of things, you know. And so, of course, there's got to be some no's because I'm just physically unable to get them to everywhere they want to be. And um, and so, but what happens is they come to me and they go, Mum, Mum, not interested in that anymore. Now I want to do tennis. And I go, oh, God, okay there's a whole nother thing it's a whole it's on the other side of the coast now and I'm like okay but I love to lean into these because I'm a bit of a dabbler myself and I like to do a bit of this and a bit of that and so I'm like okay okay so what I do as a mom is I get out the calendar open it up and go right what has to change here I don't try and squeeze it in. There's no more squeezing that can happen in my life. Something has to go. Something has to change. Do you hear what I'm saying? So we do this naturally in our own lives, but when it comes to God, we just leave it to good intentions. You know, we get to Sunday and we hear a great message and we go, yes, I'm going to apply that to my life. That's going to be amazing. It's going to change my life. We go home. We have lunch. We lay down. <sighs> I've forgotten already. You know, and then the week comes and and if we manage to squeeze that in, it would be like a miracle. But is there any practical intention where we go, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to apply what Pastor Julie told me I need to do in my life. We get out the calendar and we go, something has to go. Something has to go to make room for Jesus. In 1937, when the first washing machine was introduced... I bet that all the women thought their lives were about to change a whole lot. Now, my mum always tells me about the, the washing room outside. Does anyone, yeah, older ones, do you remember this? Does anyone remember having their first washing machine in their home? I don't know. I'm like way too before. And, um, but I know that I've heard this story time and time again that, that housewives thought that their life was going to completely change when the washing machine turned up into their home, right? Eighty years later, we have every appliance and every machine available, except for like an AI or a robot that can do, apparently can do essays now, which I'm being warned about. An AI can do essays. This is a scary day. But we have every appliance. Who has every appliance? I... I, appliances everywhere, everything gets plugged in and um, and does anyone think their lives are easier than the 80 years ago for the housewives? No, I'm sorry, they're not. Um, we have just gotten our lives more crowded. We, instead of having maybe a whole day for washing, now we just like throw it in, colours, whatever, stains, I don't care, throw it in, if it comes out dead, throw it away, you know. <laughs> That's not my, I don't like to do that. No, I like everything sorted and soaked and, you know, just saying, just making a point. Um, let's turn to Luke 19 with Zacchaeus. And he was a small man in stature. His life was overcrowded, and, but he wanted to seek Jesus. He wanted to see a miracle and in his life. And so sometimes we can um, make the excuses. You know, this for me is probably the victim part, you know. Um, Zacchaeus, he's, a, he's small in stature and he could have just gone, like, oh, Jesus made me so short and I can't see him. And. You know, well, that's his problem. He's going to have to come and find me then, you know? And so we could say things like that, but instead he found a tree. He saw the crowds. He can't see. I can't see him. I can't see him. I need Jesus. I want to see Jesus. So he finds a tree and he climbs to the top of the tree. And you think, there's so, many, there's so much in my life. There's, there's entertainment. There's masses of people in our life. There's um, extra activities. There's appointments and there's all this stuff. And sometimes we can feel like Zacchaeus. We're trying to get to you, Jesus, but I can't see you because there's just too many things in my life. And, um, and it's like you're booking in an appointment with your sister to have dinner and you pull out the calendar and you go, well, I can see you next year. That'll do. Um, it's a bit like that. Does anyone know, hello, I'm not the only busy person in this room, um, but that is what it's like. Sometimes we treat Jesus the same and God is wanting to do something really important in our lives, but we can't calendar him in. We can't fit him in. It's okay, I'm all right with the quietness. It means it's going in and we're getting challenged, okay? Um, Sometimes we're so consumed with the cares of this life that it's temporal, we forget about the eternal things. And there's so many eternal things that God is wanting us to see clearer. He wants to lift our eyes to see clearer. But we're so consumed with the temporal things. I think about the the paralytic man as well. And, um, and hello, who needs friends like the friends of the paralytic man? Um, they turn up and they've got the paralytic man and they see the crowds and they go, how are we going to get through this? Oh, there's a roof. Let's just carry this guy up the roof. You know." And that would have been tough work. We read it like, oh, and then they brought him through the roof. But it would have been tough work. He, sometimes there are times in our life, where we need friends around us to carry us to that miracle. Because sometimes we're paralyzed. And sometimes we need to be that friend that sees that person in our world and says, I don't care. This is going to be tough work. I'm going to have to climb. I'm going to have to try and get you up onto a roof, and then I'm going to have to smash a hole in the top of the roof, and then lower you down to Jesus, you know, and that's hard work, there was no angelic host that, foot you know it's not cinderella here like it was tough work and they sweat and they you know to just to get this miracle for their friend and sometimes we need to be that friend for the people in our world and sometimes we need to allow other people to do that for us and so i come to the innkeeper (coughs) the innkeeper four weeks and i still haven't got my voice back sorry guys the innkeeper in Bethlehem and this one, ooh, this one gets me. You know, here you've got Mary and she's carrying the Messiah in her stomach. She's about to birth the son of God. And she comes to the inn and the innkeeper has to say, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, there's no room. This innkeeper is in a closed out state. I'm sorry, but I'm too overcrowded to have the Son of God born in my house. And can you imagine the miracles? Can you imagine the the blessing that would have come over that house? Can you imagine the blessing upon his children and his children's children? The Son of God was born in my business. You know, like he might have put some sort of light out the front. Son of God, born in my business, if you sleep in this bed, you will be saved too. You know, like he could have really overdone that. But he was in a sold out state. And sometimes this is us. We have this beautiful inn. We have these beautiful rooms set up. But we're in a sold out state. I have no room for you, Jesus. And he turns up and he says, I want to do a miracle in your life. Today is the day. I want to do a miracle in your life. Today is the day where I want to see that seed. You know that seed that you've been praying for? You know that door that you've been knocking on? You know that prayer that you've been asking for? Today is the day where I'm going to make that happen. And you go, but I can't. I've got tickets to the ballet. I can't. I can't go. I can't stop, you know, and they're all good things. They're all fine things. It's not even like we're crowded with sin. We're just crowded with busyness. We're just crowded with the world. We're just in a closed out state. We are sold out to the world. This is not a good place to be because actually we think the devil's trying to make me do it. He's trying to make me sin all the time, you know. But I'll tell you one thing that I have heard time and time again. The devil is trying to make you busy so you do not understand the effectiveness of his word. And actually, C.S. Lewis puts it beautifully in his book, The Screwtape Letters, that a Christian Sitting in church thinking that they're doing good, having the persona that they're doing good, but having no real effect of what the word means in their life is sometimes the safest people to the enemy. Because they think that they're good, but really they're in a state where God can't move. He can't do anything with that you know, and there's no effectiveness, there's no firm foundation. When things get tough, we get going. When things are sad, we fall apart. You know, when people need us, we can't be there for them because we're not strong enough ourselves. And so we're just this unaffected kind of like being tossed to and fro. You know, storm comes up, brace yourself, storm's coming, let's go, let's ride the wave. And then we're back again, you know, and that's how we live our life. And that that is not how God wants us to live our life. He wants us to be planted firmly in the word of God. He wants us to stand on the promises that he gave us. And he fought hard for that. In Matthew 9, 23, I know I'm giving you a lot of scripture right now, but I'm trying to make a point. I'm trying to show you a picture. Matthew 9, 23, when Jesus went to Jairus' house, his daughter was dead. And when Jesus came into the ruler's house, he saw them playing this funeral music, and the noisy crowd was wailing and weeping. And he said to them, make room for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they mocked him. They laughed at him. And sometimes we can be in a state where we have this amazing amount of faith and we can get mocked at and we, can, and we can just retreat. Ooh, that was a bit full on, you know. But Jesus needs to make room. And so verse 25, when the crowd was put outside, and this is the point I want to make. It was so overcrowded that Jesus said, I need room. I cannot work in here. I need room. Hey, you know that depression that's sitting in your house? It needs to go. You know that defeat and that death that's just sitting in your house making itself feel really comfortable? It needs to go. We need to sometimes be a little bit, you know, sometimes we get a little bit too lax. And we get a little bit too comfortable with Mr. No-Hoper and Mrs. Fear, you know, and we sort of go, "Well, well, this is us, here we are, hey guys, let's sing Kumbaya, you know, but Jesus is saying and he's showing us that for him to do this miracle, for him to raise this girl from the dead, he needed to make room. And so there are times in our life where we have to get a bit, you know, taking a stand. See, you fear? No, actually, God said in his Bible that I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and self-control. So you can get out there, you know, and see this anxiety. No, I will put you out there. The cares of this world. And the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his power. And love. <laughs> Tony, so nice. I'll tell you what, Tony, you really encouraged me. I reckon one day that we're going to find out you're an angel. Um, this guy, he gives the most accurate prophetic words. And he is a man of word and he's a prayer. I love that. It's so good. I want to bring something in this moment right here. Um Sometimes our focus can be so much on the devil that we are so full of clouds and and so fogged and bogged down that we can't see up and above. There's a reason why when I lead worship, I say some of the same things over and over. And it's because I am telling myself to look higher. And when I say, lift your eyes, Lift your eyes. It's because in Revelations, it tells us that the throne of God is up there and there are angels and there are elders and they are singing, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it's loud and there's trumpets. And we were talking about this last week and the week before. And there's so much victory and so much stuff happening up there that we can't see. And because this is the world of the unseen God created the world of the seen and he created the world of the unseen and there is so much that we cannot see and we spend so much time focusing on what we can see and we feel this sense of like the devil and we give him way too much authority, way too much power and thoughts, he he takes over our thought life even. You know, um, Billy Graham released a book, Angels, I've just finished it, I read it super slow, I absolutely love it. And and he said that in the Renaissance period, I love the Renaissance period because of the art and the music and everything that came from the Renaissance period. But during that time, there was a massive turnaround for the angelic world. And so people became quite obsessed with angels and demons and, and all things angelic. And then suddenly what happened was, The angelic, amazing, like things unseen, they became strangely dim because then suddenly we've got paintings drawn of little cherubims and, you know, things like that, that just really diminish who they are and the presence and the authority and the power that they have. And we became obsessed with the occult. And so there was a whole time there around the World War, around where people became very obsessed with the occult and around darkness and so we have sort of lost our understanding of what is happening in the unseen for the good. You see, the devil, Lucifer and Michael, they were the archangels and they were together. So he is not a rival to God. Do you understand that? That the devil is not on par with God. He is not God's enemy. They are not on the same level. He is, was on the same level as Michael, an angel. He is a fallen angel and he took other angels with him. And so the power and the authority that he has to deceive and to torment, but our angels that surround us and guard us, they are here and they are have an in intense amount of authority and they are here to protect God's people. They are here to minister to God's people. That is what they're here for. And and it's explained to us like a stadium. Can you imagine if your life was a stadium and if you were to look around this whole room it would be like a stadium and there'd be angels. If we could see in the unseen we would see angels circling us right now, masses of angels cheering us on, cheering us on, strengthening us in Christ and so I believe that God is saying to us the church right now that we need to open our eyes to the things unseen in the heavenlies we need to open our eyes to the heavenlies so that we can see that God has already won the victory in our lives and the things of this world will go strangely dim I just want to bring you one practical thing with um with my four children, you know, some of you might say, this is all good and well, you know, but it's hard. And I understand that. It it is hard. And there's some things in our lives, we can't just stop working, right? We can't just sit around in the glory cloud and stop working. (sighs) There's responsibilities, you know. I can't just say, sorry, kids, I'm fed up of feeding you. Look after yourselves. You know, there's responsibilities that we must do. But I believe that God's created us to be creative, As well, And there are things that we need to, and I would encourage you that today that you would go home and that you would pull out that calendar and you would go, what do I need to do to make room for God in my life? Because he wants to speak. He wants to speak and he wants to empower you and he wants to see things that are not so important gone out of your life to make space for him. But I, um, Monday, house cleaning, shopping, food shopping. Yep, I haven't mastered how to carry two trolleys at the same time, but I nearly need that. And, um, and then I like to come home and just pray and prepare for the week ahead of work. And, and in the morning, I got a phone call from the school. Oh, one of the kids are getting an award. Could you please come in? They'd really like it if you were there. You know how they always add that at the end? You're like, oh guilt. <laughs> and, um, and I do love to support my kids. I really do. So I was like, yes, of course, of course I'll be there. Um, and so in I went, it was about 12 o'clock. So I managed to get the housekeeping done. I got um, the shopping done. And so really the thing that is um, sacrificed is my time with God. And, um, and so I got to the school and I'm sitting in the middle they put you on those awful seats, you know, they're so tiny. And then you're like so close to the next person next to you, like, hi, um, really squashed in like a child. It's like, they're like, you are in school again, you know, that kind of feeling. And so I'm sitting there (laughs) awkwardly between two men just going, "Ah," and they always just want to like talk and, you know, I'm not in the mood. I just want to be with God. And, and I just thought, no, you know, I've been doing this assembly for for a long time now. I know how this goes. I know their structure. They never change it. Um, God love the school, but it doesn't change ever. Um, And so I was like, I know exactly where they're going to do that award. And I've got about mm, about 25 minutes. So I got up out of the seat and had to shuffle past everyone and um, got my AirPods out. And I went and sat on the stone stairs outside and I just sat there and I put my AirPods in. And I just put my face in the sun. It was so nice. And I just put a Jensen Franklin podcast. And I was like, well, that's what I was going to do anyway. So I might as well do it here. I've got my clock set. I can hear the principal in the background. I know when he'll do it. And I just sat there and I just let God minister to me. And I just felt so at peace. And, um, and this, it was actually perfect. You know, the sun, sometimes being in the sun, it just does you a world of good. And and I listened to this message, I felt really strengthened, and then just as it was coming to an end, I could hear the principal go, and that's why we want to, I'm like, oh, that's me, and um, so I got up, went into the auditorium, took a photo like I'd always been there, and um, and... See you later. I'm out of here. Um, <laughs> and I only share that story to say that sometimes we have to be creative with our time and our space, right? And um, some, for some of you, it's commuting in the car and you need to put, you know, something on and, and encourage yourself in the Lord. But we need to make space. And, um, and, and so John 18.8 says, Jesus answered, I told you I am he. So if you seek me, let these things go let these things go and there's some things in our world that we need to just let go and um and sometimes in our family like we have a personal you know understanding of God in our own lives but it is a quote that I heard it says the only vision we have is television in our home and um and that's not a good place to be we need vision for our family And I'm a real believer as well in having space, in creating space and peace in our home for our children to come into an environment, for our husbands and wives, for people, even friends that come over for a cup of tea, to come into a space where they can feel peace. And you know, that is one of the things that are on our property, the amount of prayer that's happened on this property there's a spirit of peace in this place and people sense it and we don't even put the words in their mouth and they say to us I don't know what it is about this place but I feel peace when I'm here and um and we need to create that environment in our home and sometimes the only way to do that is to switch the darn tv off put some worship music on or just be praying in our home and you know what One of the things is with, and I know I speak from children because I'm a mum, that's my life right now, Um, but the thing is, they have so many questions that they want to ask, and um, and, there's no space, there's no space, you know, if we keep going, all right, well, it's your time to have our discussion right now, so come on, child, number one, sit down, all right, how's your day? How are you? You know, and I just, that's not really an organic sort of way to have relationship with your children, but if we have space, if we have the presence of God in our house, then they can ask us, hey, I heard this, what do you reckon about this? And God can lead us into conversations that are going to help lead and shape our children that are really important in this day and age. Do you know that in the Jewish Sabbath, that we know that it's a day where they don't work and they're not even allowed to like apparently flick things on, like switches and yeah, all sorts. Yeah, there's there's a huge list of what you cannot do. But one of the things that um, they can't do is when it's in the time of the um, Shabbat, they cannot bring to God anything that is a need. That everything that they think about, ponder on, sing about talk about in that time needs to be about him it needs to glorify him isn't that beautiful that out of the seven days one day is just about him the other six we can do all our whining and whinging and carrying on and i'm joking um (laughs) the bible specifically says to us, you can knock and that's very important but one day he says you know what Forget about that, because the Bible says that he wants to do a great thing in our life, and that it 's beyond what we could ever think or hope or imagine, which means we need to actually get our mind and our list out of the way, and we need to create space for the Lord to connect with us in a deeper way and so I encourage you, Charlie, you can come join me now. I encourage you that we need to make space for the Lord and his mysteries to come and meet us, to open up our mind. Proverbs says, God, give me wisdom. Give me, get wisdom. And it says, get insight, get understanding. And there are things in our life that we need to get wisdom. We need to get insight. We need to get understanding. And it needs to be beyond our own thinking. You know, we can't come up with everything. It has to be the Lord intervening, and really, he will sort everything else out. Every little need we have in our life, he can sort out, but we need to make space. The world is never going to stop trying to take, to take your attention and I, and I know Andrew's always pulled me up on this you never reach that moment where you feel like okay now I can sit down and focus on the lord you know there's always something there's always a window that needs dusting or something that you can see you know that you're like why can i see that there's always something we need to just put these temporal things aside and we need to focus on what is eternal And so I believe that that is what the message that's on my heart today is to say to you and our church family is to say, make space for God, make space for him. And not by an accident, not by, oh, I had a great week. I just accidentally had an hour that I spent with God. You know, like actually be intentional. Get your calendars out and work out when you can make space with God. And I know, like I said, you might need to be creative, but we can all make space for God to speak. You know, God forbid that we become an army of people who are just weak and that we can't do anything that's effective, because this seed, he's planting his seed, he's planting his seed, he's got the word here, he said, I've given you every tool you need, I've given you everything you need for this world, and the next, it says, I've given you everything, there's there's spectators, there's armies of angels that are here, just to minister to the people of God, just to protect you, to look after you, to make a way for you. But we can't be effective Christians if we are so overcrowded that we're in a sold-out state when he turns up. God comes and we say, I'm sorry, I have this beautiful inn, I have these beautiful rooms, but I'm in a sold-out state. I can't fit you anymore. Billy Graham says, if Jesus is not bigger on the inside than what people see on the outside, then you are not very powerful. This is what we need to get to, that Jesus is bigger on the inside of us, that it spills out and it spills out to our friends and our family. Come on, will you stand with me this morning? There are some things in our lives as well that maybe we have put outside, that maybe we have been aware of and we've gone, I see this as a weakness in my life and God, i I lay that aside and then we just walk away and we think that that will never touch us again because we've already put it outside. But the thing is, when we already have a weakness somewhere, the enemy knows he can have a foothold in that space and so he will try and infiltrate us in the exact same way. And that can be very discouraging, especially when it's a tiny little bit, you know, especially when it's just a tiptoe in. Back into that space. It can be very discouraging, but the thing is, it's like a barking dog. When you're training a dog, when oh, we've had quite a few puppies, and, and Andrew's amazing at training dogs. And if you had a really yappy, sort of barking dog, if you just let it bark all over the place, you'd just be distracted and it would just take over the atmosphere of your home. But if you train that dog, it doesn't just happen over one day, it happens over a series of time. But by the end of training that dog, you should be able to just stare at that dog once it starts barking and that dog. Do you know what I'm saying? So we need to get a little bit more resilient. We need to get a little bit more determined to see God's have room in our, in our lives by not letting these things back into our life because we weren't strong enough to give it the death stare. I've told you once, I've told you twice, you stay away from me. I have authority in the name of Jesus. I do not live under a spirit of fear. I do not live under a spirit of condemnation. I do not need to have anxiety in my life. I do not need to have fear in my life. I will have peace in my life because God has given me a spirit of peace and fear. A spirit Did I say that right? Love, power, sound mind. And some of us need to do that in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. Lift your eyes with me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And the bigger that we make Jesus in our life, the smaller the cares of this world become. The bigger we make him, Jesus, we worship you, Lord. Jesus, Jesus. We lift our eyes to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, God. You're in this space with us, Lord. You're with us, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. You, Lord God. Jesus, Lord, we just repent, Lord, for not seeing you high and lifted up. We repent, Lord, for making the cares of this world too big in our lives, for putting you in the back corner, Lord, for just not being intentional with our life, not being determined with our life, Lord God. We repent, Lord. For not training the dark, the barking dog, for not holding on to the authority that you've given us in Jesus, for not understanding that the Holy Spirit is with us and the Holy Spirit empowers us, Jesus, would you lift our eyes higher? Would you lift our eyes higher, Jesus, to see your things, Lord, to see your perspective, God? We thank you in Jesus' name. We lift our eyes to see you, Lord, high and lift it up. And Jesus, there you are, high and lifted up. Jesus, you're sitting on the throne. There you are, Lord. You're sitting on the throne. And the thing is that Jesus understands because he once was human, he became human for us. And he didn't have the help of the Holy Spirit. He didn't have the help of the angels. He said, you stay there. I must go through this alone. And then why did he say, God, oh God, why have you forsaken me? Because when he was on that cross, he was utterly alone. He did not have the help of the angels. He did not have the help of the Holy Spirit and he did not have the help of his Father. He was utterly alone. He took on our sins. He bore our sins. And then he went down and he took the authority off the enemy and he said, it is finished. It is finished. And then the angels escorted him back to heaven in all his glory. Our Jesus had great determination our Jesus looked that barking dog in the eyes and said, don't you even think about it. And you know what? We have the Holy Spirit. We have the angels cheering us on and we have Jesus and we have Father God. And so let us be stronger in Him, Lord. Would you strengthen me, Lord? Would you lift my eyes to see, Lord, that those that are with us are much more than those that are against us. Lift my eyes, Jesus, to see that, God, you are fighting for us. You are cheering us on. Come on, can you see those angels cheering you on right now? They're cheering you on. They're going, come on, you have come to the house of God and you are taking authority over these things in Jesus' name and I'm cheering you on. You can do this. You can do all things through Christ. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's worship God. Let's worship Him. Let's see the cares of this world go down. Let's